Having quality, dedicated teachers in our school buildings is the first step towards creating successful, happy classrooms. But with the ongoing teacher shortage, that feels practically impossible. On today's episode of Lessons Learned, join Chandler Unified School District for a conversation about how you can tackle some of the unique challenges of the teacher shortage with personalized professional learning. Our host today, Melissa Linton, is joining us all the way from Alaska. She has been an instructional coach and facilitator at Better Lesson for three years, but prior to that was in education for over 30 years in all levels of K-12 education. And our guest, Abby Druck, has been working for Chandler Unified School District in Arizona for over 20 years. She started as an elementary school teacher and has since served as a Dean of Students, Principal, and now Director of Human Resources for Professional Pathways. I'm really excited to hear some of the ways personalized professional learning can help with teacher recruitment and retention. So let's get started. So welcome everyone. Abby, it's so awesome that we get to spend a little time together again. We had the privilege of working together this summer. Um, So we're going to revisit a little bit about what we were working on this summer. So Abby, tell us a little bit about Chandler School District. Chandler is obviously one of the suburbs of Phoenix, um, one of the biggest school districts out here. Um, We have 47 schools. Uh, The majority of them are in Chandler, but some in Gilbert and Queen Creek as well. Um, We're a suburban school district, second largest in the state, and around 44,000 students, over 5,000 employees. About half of those are certified, um, half support. Um, Approximately 2,000 of them are, are certified teachers. Um, and historically, one of the fastest, fastest growing school districts in Arizona. Uh, we opened over 30 schools since 1998. Um, but now, you know, like many around us are experiencing kind of the declining enrollment of our area, as well as just the, the challenge of trying to fill hard to fill positions like secondary math, secondary science, shortage with special ed teachers. Um, so after that big boom, we're kind of now leveling out and, and um in it with everybody on the shortage going around and figuring out best practices to retain our teachers. Yeah, so speaking about best practices with all that change and um, all the boom, as you say, can you talk to us a little bit about how Chandler has personalized professional learning for your teachers in spite of the challenges um, that you're facing? How are you keeping them happy and supported um, while at the same time um, moving through some of the challenges you're experiencing in Chandler? Um, Full transparency. I'm definitely not here today to say that Chandler has mastered it and has the entire answer, but it's something that we are constantly working on. And we've evolved a lot over the last four or five years to try to do some more personalizing in an effort to meet our current teachers where they're at and in hopes then retain them um, with providing them kind of that that level of support of where they're at, the level of interest, things that are important to them. So um, with with opportunities for unique funding, like through Prop 301 or Title II, um, what we've done is, is tried to implement a lot of menu style professional development. So giving our teachers an opportunity to pick something that you know, perhaps our veteran teachers are picking a different level of classroom management professional development than our brand new teachers are. Uh, revamping some of our, our mentoring classes to really target what does it feel like to be a, a first or second year teacher. Um, as most districts, we in our strategic plan and in our goal setting, there's some things that are widely applicable to all of our teaching staff. And of course, we target those with our professional development. But we've really tried to dig in in the last um 
two to three years especially to offer some more menu options that also hit specialties. So for example, you know, our music teachers who have um, really a, a very specific niche on what their expertise is and what they're trying to deliver content-wise in the classroom. We're trying to offer great instructional strategies for them, but also follow up with some great content PD um, to meet their, their needs more individually. Awesome. That kind of goes with the what you said about meeting the individual needs of teachers, um, defining what actual personalizing teacher support is. Um, from the HR's perspective, could you just touch upon some of the um, maybe reemphasize or add on some of the impacts or actions that you're noticing with, you know, we know our teachers are younger and they're getting in and 45% of our teachers are leaving the profession within five years. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe talk a little bit about the younger teachers that are coming in and how you're sure. continuing to individualize and support them in their professional personalized learning. Sure. So um, over the past, um, I'd say two years in particular, we spent a lot of time um, attending conferences, doing some research and gathering some data just about, so what does the younger uh, workforce want? Because obviously the key to retaining them is kind of meeting them where they're at and recognizing that what they want isn't necessarily the same thing um, as what our new teachers wanted 10 years ago. So one thing that we saw was in um, pretty high demand was some kind of sense of belonging or or like a team to go through that onboarding experience with and that um, acclimating to their new profession of being a teacher. So um, the last couple of years were really our research phase, whereas this year we've implemented our year one of a new mentoring program. We used to do one-to-one -one, um, for all mentoring assignments, and we've moved to a one-to-four format. Um, we've also moved away from having it it doesn't have to be a mentor on your campus necessarily, but a mentor in your field of expertise. So for example, we might have um, a science teacher might have two brand new science teachers on their campus, but their other two mentees might be on other campuses. And so we've used um, that format to, to put everything in a bit more of a group dynamic. So as they move through like our new teacher curriculum and their onboarding pieces, they have this built in shared experience with this group of colleagues. Um, and so far, and we did like a little temperature check halfway through this first year and so far, um, the results have been really positive. People are enjoying having the shared experience. We still offer opportunities for one-on-one -on -one, um, coaching with their mentors and, and personalized PD, but um, then they also get to go to cohort meetings with just their, their group of four, and then regional meetings with everybody in their region that's brand new. So we're trying to kind of help them build that network early so that the support systems are in place early before they hit their first um, struggles or questions as a new teacher. Wow, that's a lot. Um, I really appreciate the notion of that cross-pollinization of different levels of support from the content expertise to getting to know other people who do what you do, so to speak, across the district and, and really fostering the relationships to help give the support to your new teachers. So one question that I asked myself as a leader in, in education and in schools, um, there are a few things that I think about um, maybe lenses, so to speak. So first is that acquisition, focusing on acquiring the, the talent that we bring to our school districts, um, how we accelerate their growth, um, their professional learning, and how we support them with what Abby's saying is like a flexible menu, right? A variety of ways we do that. And then also, um, Abby, you touched upon, you know, a dipstick, the continuous assessment 
of, of how those programs and those um, experiences are working for your teachers. So I appreciate that so much. Um, there was a study done um, back in 2011, and some of the highlights from the data that was obtained from that study suggested of the subjects that were uh, polled, less than half could properly describe how to perform CPR. So we're talking about folks who had CPR within five years or even past five years. And then what's even more um, alarming is that 80% reported a lack of confidence in actually performing those CPR skills. So even with the training that we received, 80% um, of the folks that were polled in 2011 reported back that they would not feel comfortable administering CPR. Um, this is relevant because this is often how schools view training too. So mm -hmm. a one-day PD, what I call a one-and-done, um, in order to help teachers feel confident in their craft, we really need to shift our mindset a bit. Um, so we think about you know those one-and-done. There's a lot of content mashed into a little amount of time. Um, it's all the same for everybody, so that lack of differentiation. So what we're really looking to shift are to some ways, and Abby's already touched upon a lot of ways that Chandler's trying to address this, is flexibility, differentiation, ongoing um, things that are relevant to them. So we really want to kind of shift and think about um, different ways we might be able to approach professional learning. Mm -hmm. um, one framework that we have is for the Every Student Succeeds Act, and there are some standards in there around the qualities of effective PD. So again, sustained, it's over time, um, it's not a one and done deal, it's more intensive and discreet around a practice or a program, it's more focused or targeted. It's job embedded, so teachers can, you know, learn that day and implement the next. Um, and it's really focused on their classroom, their students, how they might be able to use that practice. Um, one thing that I think is very important as well that Abby's mentioned around that collaboration. So teachers are cross-pollinating and working together to make new learning for themselves. And then finally, um, what Abby mentioned before with the dipstick, you know, taking down some data, getting feedback, and really uh, using data to help drive the needs. And I think Abby probably would agree that our needs are changing, right? Each year may look a little bit different. So for example, the mentors that she uses may not be mentors the next year because the staffing's changed. And so we have to be a little bit flexible with that idea as well. So one of the things uh, the research is saying is that coaching and that personalization of support is one way that we can help address some of the professional learning needs that we have for our new teachers and to retain our teachers. So now let's take a look and explore four pillars of professional teaching support and how it is being used at Chandler. Um, so the pillars are improving efficacy of professional learning communities, making coaching and mentoring accessible and attainable for all teachers, making collaborative workshop shorts flexible and applicable, and also aligning the elements of the professional development plan to Chandler's strategic plan and goals. So there's a really tight alignment to those goals. So Abby, let's talk a little bit about the importance of aligning 
the Chandler goals with some of the um, work you've been doing around professional learning. What are the key goals that you wanted to align to your PL plan in um, last year or maybe even this year? Mm -hmm. So um, over the course of last year and this year, we've also been developing a new strategic plan. Um, not that there's not some overlap from where we've been, but one of our goals with the new strategic plan was also to streamline. And um, there's four goals um, that we'll be presenting to our board for final approval, approval this spring. Uh, but probably the meatiest goal is around teaching and learning. Uh, we have with innovative organizations, culture and community engagement too. Uh, but one thing we've been asking ourselves as a leadership team is any initiative, any professional development, anything that we're bringing down um, throughout any employee group is how does it relate back to that plan? Um, because along with the kind of one and done thing that tends to happen a lot, um, I think one thing that we, you know, we've been guilty of in the past too is trying to tackle 20 goals at the same time. So now that we have this uh, more focused plan that we're drafting and we're thinking about those four areas, we're trying to reflect back every time that we pull out a professional development initiative to support something and say, which one of these four goals does it support? How is it furthering the objectives and the work in those goals? And if we can't answer that, we're not doing it because, you know, I, I think we as leaders feel overwhelmed, the teachers feel overwhelmed, the support staff feels overwhelmed when we just keep hitting them with more and more topics. Um, so definitely streamlining just the the topics to make sure that we can tie back and collaborate with that with that plan. Um, MTSS is something that has been um, at the top of our list in our teaching and learning goal for the last two to three years, uh, particularly tier one differentiation. So once we identified kind of specifics within those different initiatives, for example, with MTSS, we, we tried to kind of funnel that PD down more toward the tier one strategies first. Um, and then once we had gotten that in front of teachers and had some opportunities to follow up with our MTSS leads on sites, then expanding out to tier two and tier three strategies, but kind of biting that off um, in chunks instead of trying to go all in on 20 things at once. Um, PLC development has been a big focus for about three or four years now too, and providing some differentiation for sites that are, you know, starting their first year of PLC, sites that are maybe refining and reflecting on what, what piece truly is um, a database PLC and where could they improve. Um, so th those are probably two of the biggest focuses that we've had, which directly tie back up to our strategic plan. Yeah, that's great. The alignment is so important, I think, to be sure and just triple check where things are falling and what's supporting what. Can you talk to us a little bit about coaching and mentoring and how Chandler has made that accessible and actionable for, for teachers in your district? Sure. So um, this is definitely actually something that um, Better Lesson and Melissa and I have talked about a lot um, because with uh, starting to personalize the PD and looking at these maybe more digestible two-hour workshops um, that include something that can be directly implemented, that's definitely something our teachers were craving was, I, I want to leave with something I can change the next day. Um, so when we kind of started to solve that piece, 
then we started talking about, okay, but what about the follow-up? How, how do we make sure um, that long-term the investment in that professional development is worth it because we're continuing to support teachers in expanding upon those ideas? So um, we historically and still do have had uh, district-level coaches in several of our departments. So we have curriculum coaches, federal programs, assessment, special education, um, and they're all at that department level. So we've done a lot of level setting over the last two years, even just with our coaches to start prepping to do more coaching at sites. So for example, they've all been through cognitive coaching training now. They've all had the gym night cycle of um, coaching now. And as we onboard new coaches, we're trying to just maintain at least that level set um, of background and, and professional development support for them. So that when we start to get more involved with coaching at sites, at least we know um, we're using that common language again, tying back to the goal, not trying to implement 20 different visions of coaching, but, but these are kind of the the premises that we're basing coaches, um, coaching and Chandler off of. Um, in addition to that, with the mentoring program, um, common feedback from our former program was they just didn't have enough time um, not only to talk, but to see each other in action. So we've built into um, some of our budgets now to uh, a certain amount of release days for every mentor so that they can go in and do some side-by-side -side coaching with their mentees. And then principals have been great about working with us that once those district days are allocated, if, if they know that they have a teacher that has maybe a need for some more follow-ups, um, then they've been great at using some of their own site professional development days to provide subs so that we can go in and do some more side-by-side. Um, -side. And I would definitely say that the next piece that we're looking to add on, um, and we're still in the planning stages um, for our second year of mentorship, we'd like the program to last two years, and the second year to be even more focused on coaching. And then we're having um, more discussions at the district level now about how to get some of those department coaches. Um, they, they do a great job with, they are heavily involved with developing our in-house PD, delivering our in-house PD. And so now what, what can we evaluate about what their tasks are and how can we prioritize getting them back into schools more often to do some of those follow-ups, which could look like in-classroom coaching or even follow-up PDs on site to personalize it to their, to their site level needs. So once we've launched that district-wide goal with our professional development, then how do we tailor it to a specific school that, for example, within that MTSS, maybe they're working on some specific strategies that we can offer some follow-up coaching on site for. Wow, a lot of strategic planning happening for that implementation to come to fruition at the school sites for sure. Just one last question around this coaching and mentoring. Um, what are the impacts you've seen so far or what are some of the hopes and dreams for impacts you would like to see? I know you're just getting started, right? So um, what, what are your hopes and dreams or what short-term impacts have you noticed so far? So, so we're definitely on the um, slow and steady belief because we're trying to make sure that what we are implementing does stick and get um, get some feedback along the way. So I'd say so far, just um, the, the basic thing of increasing coaching days for mentees has been very well received because the personal follow-up, they love that um, cohort, and then the personal follow-up in their classroom with side-by-side -side coaching. Um, the feedback directly from our coaches with getting their, their support and so how do I become an effective classroom coach? Um, they've loved the, the professional development that's specific for them, right? Because that's another kind of one of those um, specialty groups that um, we maybe haven't in the past tailored as much toward. So they've been thrilled with getting that coaching cycle um, PD and really understanding how to have those coaching conversations. Uh, so feedback has been good. And 
um, really my next hope is to get down to that site level more because that's that's definitely where we're um, spread thinner. We don't have um, on-site coaches at the schools. So kind of coming up with when is it necessary and how frequent can we be out there to, to follow up? Yeah, I think I heard you say that principals were even requesting, you know, additional sub days for their teachers mm -hmm. to get coached. That is proof in the pudding <laughs> when yeah, principals yeah. are asking for coaches to come out. So well, right. and that's an impact that? in itself. Yeah. yeah, having that time to have someone who's not your evaluator come in and give you feedback. It's it's just um it's it's so effective because we have we have some amazing principals and um, administrators on campus who are doing some great coaching. But at the end of the day, too, our teachers tie them back to they're also their evaluators. So, and um, the more that we can do to support them in between as they get kind of that formal feedback from their administrator, getting some coaching in between before that next eval comes up, I think it's it's boosting everybody's confidence. So yeah, well, we know the impact of formative assessment versus summative, yeah. right? So absolutely, keep it formative as long as we can for sure with the coaching and mentoring. That's a great thing. So kind of to sum it up, um, coaching really does help teachers grow in thoughtful and meaningful ways through, you know, a few things that Abby said, that thought partnership, all the thinking and planning and that strategic alignment to district goals, to school goals, to, um, you know, programs like MTSS that are going on within the district. There's also some accountability partnership. Um, I think when we have a coach, um, teachers are, you know, working with another person who might not, it's definitely not evaluative, but definitely holding them to an accountability piece of trying something and really reinforcing um, like an experimentation cycle of, you know, taking a risk, doing something new, modifying something you're already doing, looking at the impact that had on student learning and then setting some goals for the next set of learning that we're going to do. So um, one effective strategy that Better Lesson likes to promote, and it's really kind of the mainstay of what we do for coaching, is called the Tri-Measure-Learn uh, cycle. It's two-week coaching cycle, and that tri-piece and different you know programs use different ways but we like to keep it simple so that trying out trying something new um, figuring out a goal with your coach and um, what that learning focus is really targeted just a little thing that we can modify or tweak and then setting up how we might measure that so that could look like student work it could look like data it could look like evidence from an observation just formative evidence and then also setting some time with a coach to reflect on um, the big goal. So that's your learn. So what did we see? What did we hear? What did we notice? Identify those successes. I like to call them glows and grows. Like what were the glows from what you tried out? How does the evidence support that? What might be another area for growth to continue? And then setting a new goal. Um, so try, measure, learn is one of the strategies that we use pretty consistently with coaching within the Better Lesson model. The other one that we use is another structure called GROW, and that an acronym is uh, setting a new goal. So there's your G, um, exploring the reality of what's already going on. So that's your R for GROW in relation to the goal that you might want to hope and achieve. Um, narrowing down the options, so picking a strategy or two, talking that through um, with a partner, a learning partner, and aligning that to the reality, but also hoping to get to that goal, and then that summarizing or what's the way forward or the next step for the W, and how will we try and measure the success.
excess of what we just um, said we were going to do. So again, another strategy, grow. So um, the next step is to make collaborative workshops shorter, more flexible, more applicable. And Abby, you've already kind of mentioned some of the um, different ways you've been approaching that in the beginning of our time together today. Would you um, tell us a little bit about some of the changes or how you've worked with um, you know, setting up those professional learning opportunities to make them more available, <laughs> applicable for teachers? Sure. Um, uh, and actually, we're continuing to evaluate. Right now, we're, we have a committee together of um, staff members and parents talking about instructional planning time and, and how to just provide more access to PD. Um, in our district, uh, we do not have an early release currently, so we don't have like a built-in day of the week or something for PD. We do have um, 10 non-student days on every teacher's contract, and five of those are spent for professional development. They're divided between um, the district level goals and professional development and then site level um, professional development. So in, in looking at that and, and recognizing the limited time, um, we had to start evaluating, well, when else can we access teachers? When, when can we get important content in front of them? So one of the big things we've done is just prioritize any extra funding. So um, our teachers do get a stipend through 301 for other professional items, but when additional money became available, um, we, we implemented what we call the PD menu every year, where they have an opportunity to take eight hours. Um, it's optional, but I will say probably about 16 to 1700 of our 2000 participate each year. Um, so we are able to have a pretty widespread impact with that. Um, we give them a stipend for the eight hours. Um, they get to select their their um, PD for that. And so what that's kind of what led us to some of the two hour chunks, um, some of the webinars with Better Lesson and some in-house things too, um, because when we started to develop that as a way to get in front of teachers, um, we talked with our, um, our union, we talked with our super Q, which is our negotiations committee and asked, you know, what they're wanting to see. And th the overwhelming consensus was the full eight hour days were overwhelming. They were getting a lot of information that was then hard to go back and implement, especially when we don't have all the follow-up coaching available yet. Um, so that's kind of what led us to drilling down to, um, some two hour sessions, some four hour sessions that seem a little bit more manageable. Uh, for everybody, and we started working on with our coaches and with vendors, um, specifically asking for things that, you know, yes, we want long-term change, and we want them um, to be working toward that goal over time, but also have something digestible that they can they can take away right then. So um, when we do have the opportunity to have a longer time in front of our teachers, we've also been trying to build in some planning time into that professional development. So perhaps giving them um, some content, instructional strategies, a break, and then when they come from back from that break, asking them to create a specific plan around how they're going to implement it and giving them that time to dialogue either with their team or their friends that they've attended with and still have that coach or instructor there um, for questions. Um, so far, uh, the feedback is great on having just more opportunities. Of course, you know, we still need more. Of course, we still need more time with them to, to develop. And I'd, I'd really like to see even more personalization, more coaching. Um, but those baby steps that we're making each year are sticking and, and people seem to be pleased with the progress that we're making. That's, that's, so great. And I really, like I was just thinking in my mind, those two-hour workshops combined with some coaching support from your mentors to kind of keep it going, you know, that sustainability and accountability, but also 
what you said earlier around the collaboration piece. So teachers choosing, having some voice and choice and what they want to learn, coming together with people who want to learn the same thing and then collaborating across the district. But the content is super targeted to what your district has you know, decided is important. So, so many things um, that just that sustainability, right? It's not a one shot deal, but it just continues cycling, cycling back in different ways for teachers to um, increase their professional learning in a variety of ways, really. So that's a dream. <laughs> um, one of the strategies that um, we've used to personalize workshops across um, in Better Lesson, we use a format called de define, explore, and build. And what Abby was mentioning where, you know, there's a set of strategies, we, we kind of define what we're learning, we come together, we have this common language of what we want to learn about, what we're there for. We have this opportunity to explore different types of strategies, different approaches of how we might um, put that to use in our classroom. But I think what Abby noted was carving out a little bit of time for teachers to actually do some planning, whether it's individual with a partner collaboratively to use what they're learning, put it in a plan that they then can take. So we call that our build. And then we go into that try measure learn cycle where we're actually going to take that plan. We're going to implement it the next day or that week and do that try measure learn cycle and then do it all over again so the little bit of scaffolding and chunking out of how we introduce new content or reinforce or look at our practice and then actually leaving the workshop with a plan and having given teachers time to collaborate and plan together is so impactful i think um so um with all that information what are some steps schools and districts can take to begin to build a plan of action? So Abby, what what are some, um, you're in it right now, like you're living, living it. Um, what might be some um, small steps that schools or districts can start to take to begin to build a plan of action for the things we've been talking about today? I think that probably the first and foremost, the thing that got us out of that kind of like spinning our wheels mode and really starting into implementation was that streamlining of, um, okay, it's not all going to happen today. So how does this relate back to ultimately what we as a district believe in, what our strategic plan is setting out to accomplish? So I think narrowing the focus and, and being okay with um, not tackling it all at once, right? And then um, bringing together that team, um, from all departments uh, that, that impacts, especially teaching and learning, because that's probably your biggest part of professional development, your biggest audience is, is your teachers and people in the classroom. So once we got them together and decided, okay, here here's where assessment data or just informal feedback and staff surveys is showing us that we have holes. And out of those things we identified, you know, that the probably the two lowest common denominators at that time were needing support with, um, MTSS, which included that PLC piece, because that's where we were reviewing the data to kind of improve our practices um, in MTSS. And then also um, identifying where are there opportunities for instructional strategies that are going to impact student achievement K-12, and where can we get more specific for elementary and secondary. So a lot of it, first steps were just narrowing down. And then we kind of just moved into, okay, now we know what topics, 
how and when are we going to get in front of the staff that needs to hear it? Um, and again, I, I don't know, it, it, you know, so, some people do have maybe some more time with an early release or something like that. So we started getting creative at that point, knowing that we didn't have that time available with, okay, if we, if we really want people to know that this is important and that this ties back to our strategic goals and that having this professional development is going to impact change, then we have to prioritize um, their time and how are we getting them there. So that's when we kind of got creative with funding and timing and doing some things out of contract that we knew could still cast a wide net of participants um, and looking for opportunities to um, condense and use time better. When we, when we do have the opportunity during contract time, how are we maximizing that? And once we got through kind of those logistics, what's been great is now we're, again, back to focusing more on content, um, getting those the surveys back on how staff feel about the content that we have out there, and then continuing to use that to drive next year's refinements. Um, so if we get a lot of positive feedback around um, a certain strategy or topic, maybe building a part two. So, okay, you're comfortable with this. Now, how do you jump to the next thing? Instead of jumping to maybe a totally different strategy, how do we continue to help them grow in that strategy to see that continuity across time? Um, and then moving down to that, okay, what's your next lowest common denominator that you want to start attacking? Mm -hmm. A lot of planning and preparation in the background, for sure. Mm -hmm. It takes yep. a, it takes a to long time. The, like a, set the stage. Yeah, and sometimes you feel like the progress is is smaller than you'd like it to be because it does take so much time. But I definitely feel like when we slowed everything down, um, having it stick, it, it's it's been much more effective since we slowed it down. Yeah, yeah. A good plan is always a solid plan is a good place to start yeah. for sure. Thank you so much for listening to Lessons Learned. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. And for more content created with educators in mind, consider subscribing to our monthly newsletter at betterlesson.com backslash newsletter. Until next time.